heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. We had fireworks for the AFC, for the NFC. Maybe a little more tame, maybe a little more takes. Who knows? It's that beautiful time of the year. Matt Beast is back. It's the end of August. It's August 30th. You smell that? That's football in the air because in nine days from now, nine days, five and a four, we get to play. Well, play. Play in the sense of gambling. We get to gamble. We get to watch. And we get to stress about football because, folks, this is the NFC preview show. And for the third straight year, it is Matt Beast and I. Here to break down everything NFC related. YWC football talk. Let's ride. <laughs> Episode number 176. Let's go. We're kicking it off right away with the division featuring the defending Super Bowl champion, LA Rams. I don't want to talk about them that much because I have to, as I go off camera because my Mac charger disconnected, I like to make sure it's full and good for every show. So basically, NFC West, you have the Rams, you have what I think I saw was a cat behind you. Um, you have the Niners, you have the Cardinals, and you have the Seahawks. Do we think it's the Rams again? Like, not for Super Bowl, but for this division in general. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's hard to kind of bet against them. And, I mean, um, coming off the Super Bowl, they're looking strong. Um, in a conference that's gotten weaker at quarterback, they have one of the more consistent quarterbacks in the league in Matt Stafford, who – would be in the upper echelon of the NFC quarterbacks because that's the time and place we live in with the state of the NFC and their quarterbacks. But, um, but yeah, it is a um, – I'd probably say so. I'd probably agree that the Rams are probably going to be the favorites to uh, go pretty far. I would agree with that as well. I think it's they're, – they're the favorites to go pretty far. I don't want to put the back-to-back chain on them just because we haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen that happen in almost 20 years. So it's a big wait and see for when it comes to everything, when it comes to the Rams. But when it comes to this division, yeah, I'm still going to go with them to have first place. I'm still going to do that. I'm not going to be crazy. It's kind of like how on our AFC West, I said it's really hard to bet against Kansas City Chiefs right now, even with everyone else on there, because I feel like for as much as they are the defending champions, to use a Gen Z term, they low-key, I think, improved this offseason as well. I believe so. I mean, you add, um, you do, you do lose Robert Woods, who is a very consistent wide receiver, but he is coming off the injury. But you do add Allen Robinson, another guy who's always super consistent, always ha- has had terrible quarterback play, and he finally gets a good quarterback with Matt Stafford. Um, and then on top of that, they also added Bobby Wagner, who addition by subtraction, they took away a guy from a staple vet guy who he might not be what he was a couple of years ago, but I mean, you still add a vet presence like that to an already loaded defense. You're good to go. And of course, keeping Aaron Donald from retirement, that's a huge gain in of itself. And I mean, this team is, it still just looks strong and you got to have it going far. That you have to, you just, when you look at this team on paper, you, it's really hard to find any holes. It's really hard to say like, where exactly are they weak? They're just a good, well, overall coached and well-played football team. 
This division, more than anything for me, is the intriguing second and third battle because I think, and sorry, Alex, but <laughs> Seattle is the fourth place team in this division. We I think we know that. That was my hot take last year that Seattle was the worst team in the NFC West, but it wasn't really a thing. And then now it is. So I, I kind of look good. <laughs> well, like I said, the big thing here is is it I'm gonna ask you first because I have a take about this. I'm gonna say, mm-hmm. who do you buy more into this year? Arizona or San Francisco? Hmm. It's just, it, it bargains so much on how good Trey Lance is. I mean, a, a good portion of it is. And I mean, if he's if he's bad, he could sink the ship. Um, granted, Kyle Shanahan's such a good offensive, offensive mind um, that he could possibly shift away from that. And I'm sure after having the year off and getting to redshirt a year technically has probably helped Trey Lance. Um, could have the Patrick Mahomes type effect that we saw in Kansas City. Um, if Trey Lance is even just good, I would say it, it, it could be a pretty strong, um, reasonability that San Francisco is going to be the number two team in the division. But I mean, the Cardinals going to be right there with them, but we, we always know that towards the back half of the year, the Cardinals tend to wean off a little bit and we need to see them pop out of that fad. I agree with you. I I just have the take where I, I'm not ready to buy into the Trey Lance stock yet. I think keeping Jimmy Garoppolo around, I think, is a little more of a loud comment going than what people think. I think it's one of those, like, where there's smoke, there's fire situations. I mm-hmm. firmly believe that Jimmy's there in case Trey falters because I don't even know what San Francisco's third option is, and I don't think they want it as a second. Even though it is Trey's team, I think the leash might be a little bit tighter than they expect. I think that's why you kept Jimmy around for the whole. We're here to support each other. At the same time, too, I think it can do more bad than good just because you have that there waiting for you. Like, remember when Patrick Mahomes took over? What did the Chiefs do? They got rid of Alex Smith. I think if you get rid of Smith, you can basically – if you get rid of Garoppolo, excuse me, you can make more of the argument this is Trey's team. But in reality, it just doesn't sit well with me when you just bench just – basically just throw or kick the guy to the curb that led you almost to the Super Bowl last year and a Super Bowl three years ago. That is true. But, I mean, to be fair, it is kind of hard to get rid of Jimmy G on his current contract, and other teams might not want to pick him up, and the 49ers just refuse to not get any sort of compensation. But you do make a point where there's smoke, there could be fire. But having a good backup quarterback is always a good thing and a good insurance policy, even if you end up having to pay them a decent amount of money um, for backup um, wise. But I mean, j- just looking at the 49ers from top to bottom, I mean, granted Kittle, he, he always has his troubles with staying healthy and staying on the field, but if he can stay on the field, if Debo Samuel can continue being a great, a great, great weapon for them, I know he might, see a tick down in his in the way he was used last year um, after he got his contract and making all this money and maybe they want to reassure him later on into the season. But, and I mean, their running game's always strong. They always have a various assortment of running backs they can always plug in. They seem to always do good no matter who it is. Um, it can be a dynasty football nightmare when you own even one or two of them trying to figure out who's going to be the guy um, some weeks. But, I like the 49ers, man. And I, and I mean, the Cardinals, I think they're going to have issues with DeAndre Hopkins suspension. 
that's probably going to teeter off their offense a little bit to start off. And granted, they did make the addition of Marquise Brown. Um, I just have some questions there for the Cardinals. And I mean, Kyler Murray, he's a fantastic quarterback in his own right. And of course, if Kyler was on the 49ers, just a weird hypothetical situation, the 49ers would definitely be like way above the Cardinals. But but yeah, um, I, I still think I got to go with the 49ers to be the number two team here. I'm going to go Arizona two and San Francisco three just because of that unknown factor. It could come back to bite me. I just, when I look at the track record, I look at, okay, Kyler Murray's proven. I don't even look at what Arizona gave him as like a knock on him. It's just Arizona, you're right. They always find, just find a way to shoot themselves in the foot. They always find, they're just a dysfunctional organization. They're just, they always find a way to mess it up. It's like the bull in a china shop. If you had to give that moniker to a team, it's the Arizona Cardinals. I've actually had to speak to an Arizona Cardinals uh, insider on the show, Alex Clancy, back in March when the whole Kyler Murray drama was going down. So we got a little more insight into there. But when I look at these teams overall, if you had to like label records, I would say like the Rams could go, I think the Rams could win 12 or 13 games easily, like 12 and 5, 13 and 4. And then the Cardinals and the Niners, I think, are like 11 and 6 to 9 and 8 caliber teams. And then Seattle, I'm going to say 5 and 12. I think that's kind of the fair fair route to go with that. Yeah, I'd probably agree with you in most of those circumstances. I'd probably say the Rams probably going to be like a 12-win team. Like you said, they're going to be really strong, especially in this conference. Um, granted, this division is one of the stronger divisions is division the divisions <laughs> divisions in the conference but um <laughs> but you, you, do, you do see the drop off of the seahawks where they're going to be fourth place obviously for me as well and I'll, I'll put them probably at four four wins somewhere around there it's gonna be pretty bad um but granted if they tank out this season um you definitely have an issue at quarterback with Geno Smith or Drew Locke. It doesn't matter who it is. I know it's Geno Smith for right now, but I mean, that's kind of an abysmal quarterback battle. I, I feel bad for Seahawks fans having to go through that, but they have a good offense surrounding them. So maybe tank off this year, get a quarterback in the draft, and then you have some good weapons around them. Um, I don't know how long Tyler Lockett's going to end up staying, but you got DK Metcalf, you got Noah Fant now at tight end. Um, they got very some good underrated stuff. portion of that team, by the way, is Noah Fant and that Russell Wilson deal. Very un, mm-hmm. unnoticed piece. I, I real, I like that for Seattle. I didn't like it for Denver giving him up. Exactly, and then at running back, maybe Kenneth Walker emerges. Um, that's been definitely a name that's been intriguing for dynasty owners. Um, Rashad Penny's could ha- could finally show why he was drafted in the first round this year. Got some questions there at the running back spot for them, but I'm going to say four wins, but. Um, especially after losing two staples of your franchise and Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner. And I was going to say too, you're right with losing Wilson and Wagner, but I think with Seattle, it's just, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to be frisky, but not overly frisky. Like that week one game, I feel like it's going to be like when Brady went back to new England last year, where everyone thought he's going to wipe the floor with them, yada, yada, yada. I'm going to tell you right now as a gambling perspective, Seattle, I got to look up what the exact spread is, but I would not be exactly uh, afraid to take them. Sorry, I just got to get off baseball. Um, Minus six, plus six. I take take it to be a closer game than people think because I think with a new coach in Denver and with 
Seattle knowing uh, and Seattle knowing Russ. I don't know if we're going to get exactly good cooking from Russell Wilson that night. That is a very good uh, Monday night football game, by the way, to start off the season. Uh, I like that a lot. And then we moved to the other two teams, of course, 49ers, Cardinals. And as I've already said, I had the 49ers number two. But it's a very narrow margin between these two teams to me. And a big factor of it is just how Trey Lance does, as I said earlier. But um, continuing on with what I had said, I had the 49ers at about 11 to 10 wins, probably 10 wins. And I probably have the Cardinals at like nine wins or 10 wins, 10 to nine. So it's like a game of difference between those two to me. Um, but it's going to be a, a very interesting race to see who the number two team is in this division. And I mean, honestly, if the 49ers and Cardinals are just firing on all cylinders, there's an argument there to be made that they could win the division somehow because it could be that close between these three teams. Yeah, exactly. I think those – LA is going to be the team that pulls away. I don't think it's going to be like last year where there's those bumps. I think they kind of come out of the gate running, like even to with a gambling perspective. I think there's a chance they beat Buffalo week one because I feel like no one's talking about them. I feel like it's all Buffalo. It's Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo. I'm just saying Rams did it last year. Now to a division that's it's intriguing in the sense, and I talk about this more in our next episode, which I recorded earlier, so it's kind of like time travel effect with El Pasero Philly of the Eagles basically to get the Eagles perspective on the season, which I know that affects the Saints in a way, which we'll talk about out in the road. But with the NFC East, it's trying to figure out, okay, one, how does Sean Payton's future team look this year? And <laughs> how does the, like with the rest of the division, I feel like it's one of those ones like the AFC South where it's like, okay, you have two teams that are like, okay, they're there. And then two teams where it's like, probably not your time. Yeah, that is uh, very true because, I mean, it's going to come down to being the Dallas Cowboys or the Philadelphia Eagles. And in my mind this year, I'm pretty high on the Eagles. And I know that's not a very hot take, not like not like the spicy take out there. But, I mean, of course you add A.J. Brown already with Devontae Smith. Um, it's crazy how both the Eagles and uh, the Dolphins had two of the better wide receivers in the class last year and then just decided to go out and add to that. Um, that's very good move because sometimes you see these teams go a while where they have these uh, stud wide receivers. You look at the Texans whenever they had uh, DeAndre Hopkins. They just never had a number two guy there. Um, and you see many cases of that across the league. And then for these teams to go out and be like, hey, we got a nice wide receiver. Let's go add to that. Give our quarterback some more um, ammo because definitely Jalen Hurts and Tua in that regard could use the extra weapons to help prove themselves. But I'm looking for Jalen Hurts to make a massive step up in terms of the passing game department. They have one of the best O-lines in the NFL already. Um, I, I expect Dallas Goddard to be good now that uh, he's going to have a full season as just that main tight end guy there. Um, and, of course, the running game is always excellent between um, Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell. Whoever they want to throw out there at running back will do a good job along Jalen Hurts. But – it's kind of like a 49ers situation in the, in terms of the running game, just um, how much this offensive line and Jalen Hurts adds to it. Um, as far as the defense go, they got better today. Um, adding my guy, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, for pennies on the pennies on the dollar or nickels on the dollar, whatever you want to say. Um, I'm interested to see if they're going to mainly use him as a slot corner or are they going to actually have him play safety? I imagine he'll end up being in the slot role. 
Um, but yeah, adding to that secondary with Darius Slay already, that's always a good move. And I think this defense could make some moves, but at the end of the day, it's going to be all about seeing how Jalen Hurts can uh, execute. Yeah, I think a lot of this is going to come down to Jalen Hurts. A lot of it comes down to just the team as a whole where it's like, okay, hey, it's like giving a 16-year-old the keys to a Ferrari. You know, it's just like, hey, here's the car. Now go drive it. But if you damage the car, it's going to look really, really bad. But if you drive the car well, you look like you drive F1. Um, that's the big thing with the Eagles this year. It's going to be a lot on the quarterback play. I feel like it's kind of a live and die by the sword mentality with them. I look at the Eagles. I'm not here saying Super Bowl. There's only maybe three teams that I give that credit to for the NFC. I think that there's only like, when you look at it on paper, I think there's only three true teams I can represent. And I don't think it's going to take a rocket scientist to figure out who those three teams are. Um, but yeah, with Philly, it just comes down to simple. Hey, how do you do? I think this year, if you want to look at it, win a playoff game, build towards the future. So if you can look good this year, come out 10, 11 wins, win a playoff game. Even if you get bounced in the divisional round, it still looks good. If you make the playoffs and then get, whooped in the wild card round. Yeah. It's going to look really like a failed season. Kind of like how Arizona left with a sour taste in their mouth after this season. And then with Dallas, they lost a lot of pieces that have gone unnoticed. Mari Cooper's gone. I don't know how much longer Ezekiel Elliott's going to be there for. I still say that was another take I had last year was Amari Cooper wasn't going to be on Dallas. I think it's Zeke this year. Cause if you look at the two salaries, Zeke's making 16 million and Tony Pollard's still making $900,000 and Tony Pollard. He's just healthier. And then Dallas, too, also lost some pieces on defense. They also – Tyron Smith's going to be a much – you're going to notice they're downplaying offensive line. So if I had to say record for them, 10-7, and 9-8, I think it's just one of those, like, neck-and-neck thing with the Eagles, you know. And then only thing I have to say about Giants and Commanders is Commanders, I still think they're a year or two away from making a step, if that. And then Giants, they have some good pieces on paper – but I just can't buy into Daniel Jones. I just can't. And obviously the two guests that were supposed to be here tonight, because quick podcast plug, because I'm wearing their t-shirt, but Matt and Ramey from this, that rant right here. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see I'm wearing the shirt in honor of them. Schedules got crossed, health and safety protocols, wishing them the best, but we'll get them on here soon. Their names will be mentioned later because as well, folks, tonight, we are drawing for the first ever YWC Football Talk Fantasy Football Draft. The draw is taking place live tonight on this podcast. So if you want to know what your order is, if you're in the league like Matt and I are, you got to listen in. But yeah, that's the thing with the Giants. Like when I look at the Commanders and the Giants, if I had to give them both records, 7-10 and 10 and 5-12, and 12, I think that's what it is. I think the Giants are going to be a team that they're going to steal a couple of games here or there. It's just, I think, going into next season, they're going to look at a new direction. Prove me wrong, Daniel Jones. I just... I just, there's no, like, it, like, you know, I said earlier, the Trey Lance, that, like the whole Jimmy G thing that where there's smoke, there's fire. I just don't see the smoke with Daniel Jones. Yeah. Um, as far as the whole rest of the division besides Eagles, um, and by the way, on the Eagles, if I had to put a win total on them, I'd probably say somewhere around a 10 to 11 win mark. I'd, I'd probably go 10, probably go a little lower on that one. Um, as far as the Cowboys, you pretty much summed it up earlier. They've had some losses this offseason. Amari Cooper is going to be big. You got you. You're going to want to see CD Lamb step up, and Michael Gallup will probably be featured more prominently, and maybe Jalen Tolbert, the rookie. Um, I have him in Dynasty, so I'm <laughs> shamefully wanting him to kind of have a good season. But uh, maybe Dalton Schultz continues to have a good a good year and um, good fantasy tight end, by the way. Yeah, for sure. 
and see how um, Dak does this year. Um, but with all the smoke about maybe Sean Payton going to the Cowboys next season, and somehow these storylines in the NFL always seem to happen. So for this to happen, what's going to happen is um, – give me one second. Um, just fill the air for a second. All right. Um, well, yeah, like you said, Matt disappeared up in smoke. Um, I only make the Sean Payton jokes, folks, just because, look, he just left the Saints. The Mike McCarthy hot seat topic is always there. Um, you're going to hear me say if the Cowboys either miss the playoffs or go out of the wild card round again, you're going to hear the Brinks truck jokes coming from everyone. It's like when um, Jack Del Rio got fired in 2017 by the Raiders. We all knew what Mark Davis wanted to do. We all knew it was John Gruden. He's going to basically do the same thing, too, where he the we I've talked about this before on the podcast, how the Rooney rule is BS. He's going to fulfill it. He's gonna. I don't mean BS in the way of that. I just mean BS in the way of how owners and stuff manipulate it to, you know, hey, we did our due diligence, but we know who we're going to hire. It's basically pity interviews that mean nothing, but in reality should mean something. We've also kind of seen it with, it, with the Houston Texans. That's another story on its own. But, yeah, basically back to the point, too, when it comes to, like, the say, the Dallas Cowboys, I was just saying how I, I cleared up the air on the whole champagne stuff. It's just like how in 2017, Matt's back on the air, by the way, if you're not listening to the podcast – uh, if you're listening to the podcast, excuse me, on YouTube, you can clearly tell, though, of how, remember in 2017, Jack Del Rio had an okay season with the Raiders, got fired, but we all knew who the Raiders were going to hire as head coach. They just had to do service and then interview everyone else. It's the same thing with Sean Payton and the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. But um, with all the storyline and smoke coming out of it, I think at the end of the day, like I was saying, these things always tend to play out um, in the magical world of the NFL somehow. So, what I'm going to say is the Cowboys are going to be kind of in contention for that number one spot. I'm going to put them at maybe eight to nine wins, but somewhere towards the later part of the season, they lose a massive game that just loses them their playoff spot. And in turn, Mike McCarthy gets fired and you see a whole new regime come into Dallas. Um, as far as the other two teams, like you pretty much said, they're kind of like the, uh, the ugly ducklings of the division at this point. Um, I am curious to see how Saquon Barkley bounces back. Um, curiously enough, I honestly did not know Matt Burita was their number two running back actually looking at it right now. So that's interesting. Um, I did not know he was, uh, still in the league, honestly, off the top of my head, but Kadarius Tony played well last season. Um, you want to see Kenny Galladay kind of live up to that hype that they gave him that contract for, um, if Daniel Jones tanks this season, is he finally done? Are they finally going to figure out something else. That, those are de- That's definitely a question mark there. And the commanders also have the same question mark at quarterback. I mean, they got Carson Wentz. I know they went out and drafted a guy where leading up to the draft, everyone was like, which quarterbacks are going to be taken in the first round? You see all these mocks of all these random guys. And all, then it was just the one Kenny Pickett going to the um, Pittsburgh. Um, but, um, yeah, Carson Wentz. And then the whole running back situation, it sucks what happened with Brian Robinson. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it's awful. And, um, seeing all the camp news about Antonio Gibson, how they're just saying how he, how he might be lower on the totem pole now. Um, that's definitely something to monitor. Um, but yeah, I mean, this Redskins team and Redskins, I'm, I'm back two names ago. Um, the Washington commanders, um, they're definitely a, uh, like you were saying, a dysfunctional franchise earlier. And we all know this, but, I'm probably going to place them. I'll place the Giants at like five to six wins. Commanders, maybe three to four. 
I I still think the I'm a little higher on the Commanders. I still think that like six and eleven or seven and ten is feasible. I think Carson Wentz also too does just enough to secure him a spot for twenty three. But then it's twenty twenty four is where those question marks really start coming. Like the whole you know hey you gotta play Sam Howell. Like we gotta give Sam Howell looks. But if Carson Wentz yeah. is bad this year. It's gonna be Sam Howell's team for now and then the distant future. One division that is very intriguing though the North. I will say this year it is very intriguing. Does feature one of the Super Bowl te- team I still think can make it, even though it is the Green Bay Packers. But I don't know how – this actually kind of, it, it is kind of spicy. I think the Minnesota Vikings this year are going to be a better team than people think. I think that they're going to challenge. I don't think they're going to win the division, but they're going to be breathing down the necks of the Green Bay Packers this season. Funny enough you say that. I actually do think the Vikings are going to win the division this year. Mm. Um. I think it's going to be like both teams like like 12 and 5 and like 11 and 6 or like 11 and 6 and 10 and 7. I think the Packers stumble a little bit more this year and people start to question like does Rodgers actually need Percocets to play football or not? <laughs> I was just watching a TikTok making fun of uh, Aaron Rodgers um, doing that. Um, but I mean, yeah, the Vikings, I mean, changing, uh, changing over to their head coach um, – from Mike Zimmer to Kevin O'Connell, I think that's going to be a big deal. Um, more, more of an offensive-minded coach with this team that has this really good core on offense. I mean, Kirk Cousins, he's a fine quarterback, and honestly, when you break it down, he'd be in the upper echelon of NFC quarterbacks, which is crazy to think about. And then, of course, Dalvin Cook's still good. Alexander Madison's a great backup running back, just like Tony Pollard is there in Dallas, as he was mentioned earlier. Um, of course, the tandem of Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen – a really great uh, wide receiver duo, even though Thielen's getting a little bit uh, older in age. KJ Osborne. Um, yeah. KJ Osborne's a good number three. And then Irv Smith, who still want to see him kind of break through. Um, I remember kind of wanting to see some, see something out of him, but I mean, they added Zadarius Smith. Um, definitely. Harrison some, Phillips. Harrison Phillips. Yep. They um, made some, made some additions to that defense. Um, but yeah, overall, I think with, how I'm going to be viewing the Packers this season, which I mean, it's hard to bet against a two time back to back MVP coming off of that. But um, the Vikings are weird where um, they'll have their year and then everyone thinks they're going to be this amazing team. They end up to mess it up for a couple seasons and then eventually they build it back up. I think this is going to be that season where the Vikings look really good and they're going to win the division out of it. Um, as far as a win total, I'm probably going to put them at, man, it's in that 11 to 12 range. I almost want to say 12, but that feels a little high. I might put it at 11, and the Packers might also end up at 11, and it's just going to be like a tiebreaker situation. They do play each other week one in the 425 slot. Fun fact, those are the two big games. You have that on Fox, so that's mm-hmm. the Fox big game of the week, Packers and Vikings. And then you have Cardinals and Chiefs, which both those games are going to be very intriguing, and I think a lot of points are going to get scored in both those games. So, folks, don't even look at it. Hold your breath. Take the overs for both of those. It's just something about the Vikings this year. It's just – and also, too, I feel like the Vikings the same way I did the Cardinals now two years ago because two years ago, Zimmer and Spielman both got extensions, so it was like a redshirt year where it's like, okay, hey, if you screw up, it's fine. Screw up two years in a row, boom, you're out. So it's like a similar thing with Arizona quickly because Kime and Kingsbury both got extensions. They're Teflon this year. They're safe. They're not going anywhere. Cardinals can miss the playoffs. They're safe. The fans can be barking for it, but it looks horrible. Michael Bidwell, if they do. Now with the Vikings, you have Kwesi Adolfo Mensa. I 
hope I said that right. And Kevin O'Connell, fresh starts, first-time GM, first-time head coach. They're looking to make a mark. And I feel like Kevin O'Connell is a guy where he could win coach of the year. If the Vikings do, I think, win the division. They don't have to win a playoff game. We saw it four years ago with Matt Nagy. Had the double doink. 12-4, mm-hmm. one coach of the year in 2018. So I'm saying that. And then moving on quickly to the Bears and the Lions. I said this in the AFC preview because Dan Campbell is my hot seat coach. Just because, like, it, without naming, like, there's a couple we named that were a little obvious. Like, you can't say Mike McCarthy. Like, we had, you can't say Mike McCarthy or Matt Rule because those are coaches that are right there. Yeah. But with Dan Campbell, I think if they're another, if they have like a two and 15 or a three and 14 season, I don't think you can excuse it. If they go five and 12, I think that's a winning season, in my opinion, for the Lions, where it's like, okay, you're slowly starting to show signs of improvement. Meanwhile, with the Chicago Bears, I'm going to say this I like Justin Fields. There's just nothing around him to support him. Sure, you have Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney, but hmm. by the way, if you're still drafting for fantasy, folks, I got a player for you, David Montgomery. I think he's going to get a lot of touches this year because of the weaker wide receiver core with the Bears. Even though they have Mooney, they have Nikhil Harry, they have Cole Komet. I know Nikhil Harry is not the – that's another thing, too. Nikhil Harry, not the best wide receiver in the world either. So that's why I'm saying if you want to have to start for fantasy running back for your later rounds, David Montgomery is a good option to go with. So with the Bears, I I can't see this team winning like more than three or four games. I just can't. I think they'll be kind of in it sometimes, but they're going to be that team that like you know loses a lot of heartbreakers. Like seventeen, seventeen late, have to get a defensive stop. No, you get the team downfield, kick a field goal, boom, and then obviously when Aaron Rodgers plays them, he's going to say, "Daddy's home." Yep, and I mean, you see it just in the fact that Roquan Smith's like, get me out of here. I mean, the Bears, um, they're not looking too hot. They ha- they have one of the worst offensive lines in the league currently, yeah. have a young quarterback. Um, like you were saying, the weapons just aren't amazing there. Darnell Mooney, he might be a good number two wide receiver. And Cole Komet, he's still a young tight end. Um, you know, sometimes tight ends take a while to kind of branch out and um, hit their stride, but – I mean, this Bears team just doesn't look good on paper at all. And I got to agree with you. It's going to be a low win total, probably around three to four wins. And then the Lions, I could maybe see five to six wins for them. Um, As you're saying, that could probably be a good year for them. They have a sneaky good um, offense um, between DJ Chark, Amon Ross, St. Brown, the returning at some point, Jameson Williams. Um, Jared Goff, he's a decent quarterback. He can he can make moves if you give him some pieces, um, as we've seen before. And TJ Hawkinson's still a young tight end, but he's already shown flashes of being a good guy. And I mean DeAndre Swift, he's a definitely high up and coming running back, definitely going in the first rounds in some leagues. And um, this is a team that I feel like will fight for their head coach. That's the way I feel. That's the way um that's literally been the general consensus this day one since Dan Campbell kind of came into the door. Um, I was also going to say, too, they underratingly have a really good offensive line as well. They have uh, mm-hmm. one of the more bet. I'm not saying, like, really good in the sense of, like, top five or anything, but they have an offensive line that Frank Ragnow, Panay Sewell, I think Graham Glasgow is still there. Correct me if I'm yeah. wrong. But they have an offensive line that can play with the best of them in the NFL. I'm just not here to say that right now. Like, it might be a bit of a hot take, but the Detroit Lions offensive line is one that not really mess with. Um, but you are right. They, they they have their players coach. And also, too, I'm excited to see what Aiden Hutchinson looks like in the NFL. Yes. But with all the talk about college and stuff, I wanted to ask you quickly. How do you feel about Arkansas this Saturday against the Bearcats? 
Hmm. Well, I mean, um, to be honest with you, I haven't tuned too much into the Arkansas um, news cycle for college. Um, I am going to be checking out the game whenever it comes on, but um, I haven't watched too much um, so far. So I'm kind of out of touch at the moment, but um, I do, I do think the Razorbacks are going to continue to build upon um, their strong season last season. And I do want them to go out and beat a good Cincinnati team. That is what I want to see. And I hope to see it. And I hope to see this team continue to be on the upswing. Um, Definitely going to be an interesting season for a Razorbacks fan. Um, Walking back into the season, ranked or number 19 currently right now, which is great um, to see us in that limelight again, I guess you can say, because for the longest time it felt like it was just such a struggle just to win a game in conference. And um, the hopes are pretty high. I hope to see them um, finish out the season well. Like, what would be an ideal winning season? Probably somewhere between eight and nine wins, or do you think it's about more or like you want to see them get double digits? Mm, higher nine, between nine and ten. That's what I'm kind of hoping for. Um, it's always hard in the SEC to kind of get to that, but um, if you want to stay consistent and keep getting good and keep bringing in these recruits, you got to go out and have another strong season. Um, and getting that nine, ten win season could show that, hey, we are the real deal and we're here to stick around and uh, keep competing. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like when you look at the SEC, you obviously have Alabama. I'm kind of interested to see Georgia because they did lose a lot, but man, Texas A&M is going to be really good this year. Their Aggies are – I think there's playoff potential maybe with them, but Jimbo Fisher has one hell of a recruiting class coming in. That he does. That he does. Yeah. But – on to the reason why we're here. You're obviously an NFC team. The NFC South. Look, I'm going to get it out of the way. I'm going to rip it off like a Band-Aid. <laughs> Atlanta's going to win probably two or three games. They're probably going to be a bottom five team, probably top five when it comes to the draft. Carolina, frisky, but I can't see any improvement from last year. I think their ceiling is 6-11. and 11. I think they're going to be that team. Baker's going to get his moment in the sun for week one. You know, beat, beat Cleveland. <laughs> like, remember last year? Remember last year on this very program? What happened? Jared and I were bringing the Kool Aid to the Panthers saying maybe they'll make a wild card run. 3 0. They impressed us early. They beat the Jets. They, they whooped the Saints, I believe. And then they beat the Texans. And then after that, they held in tough with the Cowboys. And then everyone was like, hey, maybe they're good. And then we slowly, slowly realized we were very, very wrong about the Panthers. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about the beginning of the NFL season. Um, these narratives can start building up. The media can start building up a team. And fans can start saying, oh, this team might be legit. But when you named off those Panthers wins last season, they beat the Jets. Who? Sorry, Danny, but we know what the Jets are. Um, I feel like Danny always catches some shade on here for that. <laughs> always, always poor Danny. You should have heard, um, heard the AFC preview show. It's all good. And then we, we know we know how the Texans are. Um and then the Falcons? That, well, oh yeah, true. Oh, you're um, talking about the wins from last year. Yeah, My apologies. The, the, My win, apologies. the wins from last year at the beginning of the season. We know how the Texans were last season. Um, total chaos there. And then that Saints game, they literally like had a whole bunch of coaches out for COVID. They had some players out for COVID. So I remember I remember that that was the one game, like for some reason I just could not watch it for some reason because uh um there was like 
no, there was actually a power outage and it like affected everything. Like my cell phone wouldn't work. Um, it was really weird. Cell phone wouldn't work. I guess they were cutting like fiber lines or something. Cell phone wouldn't work. Internet wouldn't work. Nothing worked. So I was literally listening to the game on the radio, like some kind of archaic form of, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what was going on there, but it was an awful experience because that game was awful to listen to. And I had to stop halfway through it because it was just awful. But just looking at those three wins, that, that kind of showed you that, hey, um, that's what they were, and they showed it. Granted, they could be better this year. They have good weapons. If Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy, that's always the biggest gamble, biggest gamble you can make in fantasy football, which I don't think is a bad thing. You can either be like, hey, I'm going to get a guy who is going to most likely be the number one running back in all of football and fantasy football and one of the highest scorers in there, or I have a guy that's going to be hurt half to most of the season. If Christian McCaffrey's down the field, of course, that's a big boost, but um, it could look bad for Matt Rule, as you were saying earlier. He's definitely on the hot seat. Um, DJ Moore's still there, a great young wide receiver, but we saw what these, this Panthers team was last year, but I do think Baker Mayfield can make a difference. I think he is a good quarterback. Do I think he's like a great upper echelon type quarterback? No, not really, but I mean, if you give this guy a good offensive system around him and you give him some good weapons – he can produce some results. And, I mean, he proved it to Cleveland, um, got them their first playoff win. So, um, definitely that's a, a huge um, pat on the back for him. Um, he helped lead them there. But, um, yeah, that's what the Panthers are. And as you're saying, the Falcons, um, yeah. <laughs> that's that's pretty much what it's going to be, and I'm going to enjoy it. Um, if, if they somehow go crazy and Marcus Mariota, Lights up the scoreboard with young Drake London and Kyle Pitts. I'll definitely be surprised. But, I mean, we've seen what this Falcons team's been like, um, as you're saying, probably three, four wins, somewhere around there. Um, one of them probably against the Saints somehow, and it's going to make me mad. But, yeah, that's that's uh, that's the Falcons for you. My only positive with them is that I feel like Arthur Smith can still make them play, but I think it's going to be the same thing where they lose a lot of close games. You know, they're in it. It's like Chicago. I think it's just you're going to be feisty at points, but there's some games you're just going to shoot yourself in the foot and do something stupid. Um, I quickly want to talk about the Bucs because yeah. they're the team I still have winning the division. Um, Same. I can't bet against 12. I can't bet against Tommy. I won't ever do it. I feel like people on Twitter, I was going to say this app, but like I'm talking on Twitter, but most of the time on Twitter, you see people starting to do it. You see people – Oh, did he come back too early? It's just until I see it, until you see that true cliff, him falling off the cliff, and Max Kellerman is dancing away and on that throne. Because Max Kellerman's been on that throne for six years now. That's six years old, that take was, and he's won three Super Bowls since then. So until he truly, truly shows regression, I just can't see it. I know, obviously, their offensive line took a hit. That's the other thing, by the way, too. The Panthers' offensive line is garbage. Mm-hmm. I know they added Eki Aquanu, but – Still, it's not a good offensive line in football. Um, but with the Bucks, I know they lost a lot. Gronk's obviously going to be a big loss, but you still have Mike Evans. You still – Chris Godwin, we'll see. Chris Godwin's a big wait and see. But like I said, we've seen Tom make something out of nothing before. And I still feel like, too, and Big Rat said this, and I say this, too. Every year, Tom Brady's not doubt. If he's, I'm not saying he's doubted, but every year people question him, or can he do it? He does it. So that's why I'm saying – 
never question Tom Brady. I don't know if you have anything else to add to that, but we'll see. And hopefully the Saints continue their stretch of wins against the Bucs as they're currently 4-1 and one against them since Tom Brady went there. Yeah, I really hope because those Bucks wins are always really great. But um, I do agree with you. I do have the Bucks winning the division, um, mainly because that roster still strong. The offensive line does has question marks, as you raised. Um, but even at 45, it's just crazy what Tom Brady's managed to do last season. He had an amazing season, and we'll see if he continues it. And, I mean, honestly, it's hard to doubt him until it just happens. Um you see these quarterbacks just fall off a cliff at some point. You saw, you saw Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl getting drugged there and winning somehow through a miraculous defense and such a crazy roster built around him at that point. But And you see Drew Brees. I mean, I think his cliff, it, it was mainly his arm strength dwindling, and they, um, him and Sean Payton were able to scheme around that. But he definitely hit a cliff there where his uh, – quarterback talent i won't i won't say his mind for the game because that was still there he would go on to have really high completion percentage and going to a shorter passing game but i mean he obviously hit kind of a hit uh, a cliff when it came to his talent and some quarterbacks can manage that differently and it seems like tom brady's maintaining his talent as well as of course having one of the better quarterback minds in the game just playing for such a gosh dang long time um shout out nightmare 10 with uh gosh dang like that yeah i know right um but uh maybe this guy will retire after this season and luckily i only had to deal with him for a couple years whereas uh danny and big rat both had to deal with him for most of their lives so at least i have that for me um and i'll always have the uh the bucks game where we beat them um when i was there so that was always a fantastic moment just but yeah um bucks great great roster i'm probably going to have them at like 12 wins honestly um they added julio jones which i know i'm going to definitely meme on him because he's always hurt um marshawn Lattimore has his number just like he has mike evans's number um yada yada but i mean it's a great offense. Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, if he can stay healthy on the field. Mike Evans is one of the most consistent wide receivers. You guys were mentioning him along with Brandon Cooks in the um, AFC preview show, and I agree those two are uber-consistent wide receivers. But, yeah, the, um, the Bucks, great roster, great team, and they're probably going to win the um, division and be fighting for that number one spot in the conference. That's it. I'm not going to say anything now. I'm just going to put a graphic up, and I'm going to let you take it away, okay? Okay. Will they or won't they go marching? That is definitely a question. Well, today – It doesn't um, mean Super Bowl, by the way. I just want to clear the air right now. It does not mean Super yeah. Bowl. It just means what do you think they'll be this year? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I feel good about them. There's been so many different changes to this team, obviously, and going through these changes is definitely hard, losing – a great, great, great head coach in Sean Payton. Um, probably one of the top three, um, I'd say, head coaches in the league that were in the league. Um, what he did with that roster last season and the injuries and stuff, he he, he pulled off some stuff. I, w- I will say he is a great head coach. Um, losing him, huge, huge, huge hit. But I do think it'll more or less kind of stay the same with um, these 
and that was the theme um, this offseason is the Saints were going to try to stick with the culture. And by doing that, they elevated Dennis Allen to head coach. Granted, I know it didn't work too well with the Raiders, but he's been in this organization for a combined 12 years. Um, uh, yeah, and I mean, it's going to look good having him as the head coach, and I think he's going to instill and keep the same culture that Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton helped build. Now, as far as uh, the defense as a whole, we did get worse today, unfortunately. We lost Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to the Eagles. Um, Chauncey was a great nickel corner. I think that mainly happened because Chauncey was wanting his contract and the Saints weren't willing to make him the highest paid nickel. And from what I'd heard, he had been kind of chirping or chirping around saying that um, Saints are kind of toying with his money or whatever, making contracts about the um, making comments about the contract negotiations. And the Saints didn't want that in their locker room and um, corrupting the minds, I guess, is the only way I can rationalize giving him up for a fifth and sixth round pick today, which was a sad thing. But defensive wise, there was definitely some losses. Malcolm Jenkins, um, Marcus Williams, one of the best free safeties in the league. Losing losing both those guys is going to suck, which, I mean, the leadership that Malcolm Jenkins brought, they're going to try to supplement that by bringing in Tyron Matthew, which was a very exciting signing for the city. New Orleans boy through and through, LSU legend. Um, of course, all the Saints fans were are very excited to have Tyron Matthew on there, and I think he will definitely help fill the void that Malcolm Jenkins once had because this guy is a definite locker room leader. Um. Marcus May got the addition at um, strong safety, got him uh, replaced one Marcus with another Marcus. Um, he's a good safety, not quite as good as Marcus Williams was. Granted, they kind of play different positions, but still. Um, I'm hoping that he can help that secondary keep and maintain um, such a strong core that they built. And even with the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson loss, we do have Bradley Roby still, who, I mean – if you go across the league, if your fourth best corner is Bradley Roby, I mean, that's not a bad situation to be in. I mean, is he an all-class cornerback talent? No, but is he a good depth piece and maybe can slide in, play the slot, play outside corner if we need to, and maybe slide the rookie Elante Taylor into the slot? Um, that remains to be seen. But the biggest question I really have on defense is the linebacker situation. Um, Pete Warner's it's currently doing with an injury, but he should be able to play this season. Um, I forget the quite the exact timetable on that. I'll have to double check. Um, and that is the biggest question really for me and how they're going to, well, who's going to be the slot corner now because the saints play a lot of um, nickel packages and that's been their bread and butter on defense for a while. Um, offensive wise. The offense should stay quite the same. Pete Carmichael Jr. bumping up to offensive coordinator now. Um, that is definitely going to keep things more or less the same. It's going to be the same system, I'm sure. And everyone that's been in that system for a while is going to mesh with it because it's been the same. Jameis Winston, are we going to see him continue how he was at the beginning of last season before he got hurt on Halloween night? We will see. I hope that um, he can meld himself and be the cornerstone franchise quarterback. If not, maybe we will see other options going into this season, um, going into next season. Um, but you definitely can't question the talent they have around him because last season the Saints arguably were fielding probably the worst wide receiver core in the NFL. 
Um, Marquez Callaway was their number one wide receiver, along with um, Deontay Harris, who changed his name to Deontay Hardy um, this offseason. And, I mean, look, Deontay Hardy, he is a good player. He uh, he can make a difference in the special teams, and he can make some plays here and there. But is he super consistent? No, not really. Is Marquez Callaway number one wide receiver in the NFL? No. But Michael Thomas is coming back. Hopefully he can come back off that injury very well. Um, he has had some hamstring issues start off camp, which is kind of concerning, but if he can come out there and be 75% of what he was when he got hurt, that'd be great because he was the best wide receiver in the NFL. You don't hear anyone talking about him because he hasn't played for two years virtually. I mean, he's had some games here and there, but I mean, um, I'm expecting him to bounce back in a huge way. And, of course, you add Jarvis Landry. That's a hell of a number two wide receiver on top of the rookie Chris Olave. So just an overhaul of the wide receiver core. The Saints saw they had a need there at wide receiver, and they went out and made some moves. <clears throat> now, the now another big question is the offensive line, especially with Trevor Penning getting hurt. Um, I'd heard that he had been progressing so well in camp um, he'd started off so raw, and he was starting to make strides and where you can probably see him starting very soon over James Hirsch, the uh, veteran. Psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> um, where, but seeing him get hurt is definitely going to stunt his growth, and that is awful because I don't even know if he's going to be able to play this season. If it is going to be towards the very latter half um, of the season. Um, of course, Ryan Ramchek is definitely not a question mark there. Neither is Eric McCoy, as long as he's healthy. Um, but you have to wonder about the guard play with Cesar Ruiz and Andrews Pete. That is definitely a question mark. Um, running back, seems like Alvin Kamara is not going to get suspended. So, obviously, he's one of the better running backs in the NFL. Um, as a whole, this team, I think, is still quite loaded. Uh, a lot of people do like to mention the talent that this roster has. But it is hard to... Um, it is hard when you lose so many core staples of your franchise back-to-back, Drew Brees and Sean Payton, and then some notable names on defense that have been there. And I, I even forgot to mention the defensive line, which um, Marcus Davenport, we want to see him put together a full, healthy season because he could be a stud, I'm telling you. He could be a stud if he can just stay on the field. And um, Payton Turner still coming into his own, um, and Cam Jordan, of course, still there. But – with all the changes, it's going to be um, – it's it's hard for me because I want to put them at quite of a higher spot. Um, I think last year I had them around 10, 11 wins, and I kind of want to put them in the same, but I'm probably closer to the 9, 10. I know that's not really too much of a difference, but sometimes, hey, one game can make a huge difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs in the NFL. But as of right now, I'd probably have them at 9 wins, but I think their ceiling is like 11 wins. I think they're somewhere in that eight to 10 win mark, in my opinion. Also other players, um, one I'm forgetting about is Anya Mata still there or did he leave in the off season? I'm trying to remember that one. He is still there. Okay. 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 And then obviously Demario Davis too. And then Paulson Adibo as well. Um, and then there was an unfortunate smoke Monday injury. He's out for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually, I'm a fan of Trevor Penning. I only say violent psychopath jokingly. I feel like people are overreacting to a lot of the fighting. And then there's that, did you ever see that video where he says, ask me my favorite thing about football. And he just says, with like a, the most bold, blunt look on his face where he's not even blinking, where he's like legally assaulting the person in front of you. I'm like, he's just a, he's a Midwestern dude who loves football. 
that's what you want in an offensive lineman. You want a brick shit house who's raised on barley and corn that can just <laughs> hurt people. That's what you want in an offensive lineman. Look at Wisconsin. Look at Iowa. These that's all that school those schools turn out. And guess who? Not in Iowa, but he was from Northern Iowa. So it's mm-hmm. similar logic. My own, my thing with the Saints is I said this here a lot. I feel like they're going to be like the Pittsburgh Steelers, where their defense is going to hold them. The defense is going to bail them out of some games. I think that's what's going to happen. Where I know there's questions in the secondary, but I just think with you know just Cam Jordan still there, Demario Davis, another very very underrated linebacker in the league, but also too very underrated appreciated leader of that Saints defense as well. Um, but with the offensive side of the ball. If Jameis can be back and healthy, it's it's a big thing for this team. But if he's not, or if Michael Thomas isn't is a shell of himself, like we're not looking. If people are out there expecting 2019 Michael Thomas to emerge, I think that's a very harsh ask. Mm-hmm. Um, I also believe that there is smoke to the whole him and Sean Payton having a bad rep relationship as well, and then the whole stuff about I don't know if you heard about it, him dating his Sean Payton's daughter or something like that or whatnot. I don't know if you ever heard about that. Well, but rumors out there. Yeah, I think there's some stuff like that that was that's proven to be true, but they're a very intriguing team because we don't know exactly what we're going to get out of the Saints. I feel like they're going to be competitive. It's just, do they have a game last year like the Atlanta Falcons game where they should have won it, but then they let Atlanta march down the field? Or even mm-hmm. another game that comes to mind was 2019. Remember there was the game where there was the fourth down pass interference on George Kill that kind of cost them the game against the Niners that – very excellent game of football. So just, that's just my thing. I think if they can avoid those mistakes that where you potentially shoot yourselves in the foot, it'll look better than you can. And I still think, because right now, if we're looking at it for playoffs, I think the teams that have legitimate shots making the playoffs, there's obviously the teams that could prove me wrong. But the mm-hmm. ones where I look at where I'm like, they're going to be in the picture, it's obviously Green Bay and Minnesota, Philadelphia, I'm going to say Dallas just because. I'm going to say Tampa and New Orleans, and then I'm going to give three teams from the West. I know I said San Francisco. I'm a little iffy on, but I'm still going to say. So that's nine teams right there for seven spots. So some of those teams are going to disappoint. Some of those teams could exceed expectations when I look at it. You can already say probably Seattle, Chicago, Carolina, Atlanta, Detroit, five, and Commanders, six. That leaves the one wild card with the Giants. So the Giants could like be teetering in there probably in that 10 to 13 spot, I think, for them. But you have nine teams to fill seven spots, and I feel like mm-hmm. the Saints are a team that makes that category because I know when you look at their schedule, week one against Atlanta, that's a game that should be a win, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, and then there is the uh, week two. That week two game against the Buccaneers, I think, is going to speak volumes to how this team does this year. That week two game against the Bucs at home. And then I'm pulling off right here. And then at the Panthers. So even if through that stretch, two and one, that's fine. And then you look mm-hmm. at it, you go to London to play Minnesota. Probably maybe two and two. I might give, unfortunately, give the Vikings that one just because. But then you have Seattle. But it's this little stretch right here where it's Bengals, Cardinals, Raiders, Ravens, Steelers. And then the Rams. You and, then can the get that. <laughs> and then the 49ers. That's a seven game stretch. If mm-hmm. the Saints can get out of that seven-game stretch at four and three or five and two, I think you're sailing. If you go anything below four and three, it's looking a little bleak. And then December, and then okay, you guys finishing pretty easy. Falcons, 
Browns will see. I still feel like the Browns will be sinking more than swimming at that point of the season, even with what if they have Watson. Um, and then at Eagles and then versus Panthers. So I think, yeah, the nine, I think the eight to 10 window mark is very reasonable and mm-hmm. very reasonable and very honest shot of where this team can finish. I know on Sunday night, Greg said that Dennis Allen is, could be a potential one and done coach. I just don't see that. I feel like the Loomis and the Benson and um, Benson's, excuse me, Gale had a thing where they saw with Dennis Allen. They want to keep continuity. I think it's just more or less about potentially losing guys like Pete Carmichael or Chris Richard down the road. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, granted, I don't, I don't think Pete Carmichael will ever leave. Honestly, um, honestly, during this whole offensive coordinator search, he wasn't even going to be the offensive coordinator because he just, he, he never steps to the forefront. Like that's why he's been there for so long. It's like, he's content just being where he's at being in his little, his little shell, what, what, whatever he's doing. Like he wasn't even in the plans to be the offense coordinator, but eventually I guess after talking to some people, they decided to ask him again or maybe something. I don't know how that whole situation went, which I mean, I'm sure I could probably read up on it somewhere. Um, I just know that's kind of how it went at the very beginning. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree. I don't, unless the season just goes chaotically bad for some reason, like I'm talking two wins. I don't really see Dennis Allen getting fired. Um, pretty hard to be a one and done head coach. You got to kind of give them a shot these days, most of the time. Um, unless things are just chaotically bad, and I mean things have to go. Yeah, like things have to go terrible. Like I'm, I'm talking the relationship between him and Michael Thomas goes stale throughout the uh, middle of the season. Um, Jameis Winston plays like absolute garbage. The defense takes a huge dive off. Like there has to be so many things happen which I wouldn't see happening. Like the floor of this team, I think is maybe like six wins, worst case scenario. Um, so things would have to go really bad, I think, to be below six wins. Um, and I mean, if that happens, I will be surprised. Um, but definitely some some crazy shit, injuries, um, really unexpected drop-offs and plays from multiple players um bad coaching decisions it'd have to be a multitude of things happen for this team to get to six uh to get less than six wins i think but but yeah um i'm I'm still pretty um i'm not gonna go out and say oh the saints are gonna kill it the saints are gonna kill it they're gonna be fighting for that um seventh um playoff spot i believe that's kind of how i thought they were going to be last season um but I still have them about in the same area there, fighting for that seventh, maybe sixth playoff spot. Um, I don't have them as one of the stronger wild card teams, but one of those on the borderline wild card teams, like you were saying. But yeah, that's kind of where I have them. So playoffs this year—is it a realistic? Is it like you? Is it like playoffs or bust, or is it a hey, if we make it and see where we go from there kind of season? Um, like if we end up like how we normally do, um, in a, um, non-playoff year where we're like seven and nine on the verge of getting into the playoffs. I mean, if it happens, it happens. I'm not going to be like, oh yeah, we have to make the playoffs this season or else it's just a failure of a year. Um, I mean, if we go seven and nine and Jameis Winston has a excellent season, um, but we had some injuries on the offensive line, injuries to the defense, something like that happens. And but Jameis has a good year, then I would call that a win because at least maybe we have a quarterback for our future and we just have to build around him some more. 
Um, I that that would definitely be a winning scenario there. Um, more winning scenarios would be going seven and nine, and maybe seeing some young talent step up, like maybe Elante Taylor becomes that solidified um, slot corner. Um, maybe we have um, Paulson and Debo continue to play well because the Saints have had a revolving door at that second cornerback spot. They'll have a player come in, play well, they'll trade for him, and he'll play well. And then next season around, he starts having a couple of bumps in the road. They trade for another guy. He plays really well, or he leaves the team because we don't want to re-sign him. Um, but, yeah, um, that, those, those would be some winning scenarios for me. Um, but for the most part, I would like to see them make the playoffs, make some strides, um, get that seventh spot, get that sixth spot somewhere in there and get some huge wins over some big teams. Like if we can go out and continue to beat the Bucks twice a year, that would be amazing. Um, go out and maybe beat the Vikings or maybe a strong Raiders team, in my opinion. Um, maybe if we can beat the Rams or the 49ers, that would be amazing. Um, picking up some of these wins against these good teams is definitely going to be the key to us making the playoffs. And you got to pick up wins somewhere because they're, like you said, there are some definitely – some good teams in there for sure. Um, but yeah, um, that's how I'm feeling about my, uh, my saints right now. Sounds good. Uh, folks, if you heard me rustling paper, it's because we're almost about the draft, the first ever YWC football talk fantasy league draft order. But before then this, I'm not going to ask you about the hot seat question. Like I did for Greg and big red on Sunday, just because I feel like the options this year, unless you have a crazy take are very limited. Mm-hmm. The one thing, and I haven't said this yet. I'm going to start mentioning this to people as I do podcast. What is your Super Bowl for this year? Hmm. Super Bowl for this year. I'm going to say... uh, I'm going to say... Ravens. Mm, I almost said something I did not want to say. I'm just going to say Ravens, Rams. Ravens, Rams. Rams are going to go back to the Super Bowl. Ravens are going to get in there, and the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl. Um, Lamar Jackson is going to cap off an MVP-type season. Um, yeah, that's uh, what I think is going to end up happening. Mine's a little boring just because it's one that's been done before, but I'm going Chiefs and Buccaneers just because I think it's that, like I, like I said on Sunday show, you don't bet against the Chiefs, but at the same time, too, I feel like for all the talk the other teams in the AFC West are getting, I feel like Patrick Mahomes is just getting this – what's going to happen with him this year. And I feel like that's a very dangerous thing for them. So I could see a return of Mahomes going back to the Super Bowl. But if I had to pick a winner right now, I'm going to say the Bucs because he's going to win number eight and Tom's going to go out on top because I still think that he came back despite ESPN. Cause remember there was out Saturday where the reports came out with Darlington and Schefter basically saying breaking news, Tom Ray's retiring. I, he wants to go out when he wants to go out. I think I do think this is his last year, but I could see potential for one more. Well, it's it's just that like wait and see, but that's that's, that's my prediction for this year. Is I think we get another we get Chiefs box two in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I really do not want the Bucks to win the Super Bowl. So I almost said I had them going to the Super Bowl, but I decided to change that last second. Um, but yeah, I can see the Rams making it back, and I like the Ravens. And um, I mean, if Tom Brady does make it to the Super Bowl, it'd be hard to bet against him. I mean, it's always hard to bet against him, but uh, but yeah, I mean. It, it seems like it took a miracle of a game for the Rams to beat the Buccaneers last season. That game was wild the way it went. I mean, Matt Stafford, all credit to him on that game, on that 
<laughs> on the last uh, few seconds of that game because he was insane towards the end of that game. But um, yeah, it seemed like a whole bunch of stuff had to happen for the Rams to beat the Bucks because that's just how Lady Luck favors Tom Brady. It either has to be a whole bunch of stuff against him or he's just going to go all the way. But yeah, um, I do think the Bucks are going to be a strong contender though. But yeah. I also think that as any team besides the Rams, the Buccaneers come back. It's kind of like how I said, um, if the, what was the comeback that I had? Uh, there was another story that I had, but basically, yeah, that was just a thing. Cause I feel like that Rams Buccaneers, the Rams Buccaneers game gets lost in the shuffle for a great playoff game because it was followed by chiefs and chiefs and bills. But yeah, that's, that's what I have. But we're at that time, folks. So if you are in this league, you should be listening up. I will be sending you your pick in the DMs. But it's time to draft. I got my New England Patriots hat right here. There was one other hat I was looking for, but I couldn't find it. And I get We're going to get started. Matt gets to hear it live. Ramey and Matt Lorenzo were on my shirt. Could have, but unfortunately, weren't able to be here. And I now have – I'm just going to do that again because I was holding two pieces of paper in my hand. And we're going to go in reverse. So whoever's name gets called first, you're picking 10th. And then we're going to do 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3. And then I'm going to pull number one. So if you're number two, you're not going to get your name heard called until last. Kind of like you know they do with the NBA draft. You know, because all the anticipation is about who's picking number one. So picking 10th overall in the 2022 inaugural YWC Football Talk Fantasy League is yours truly. Me. I can't see the piece of paper, but it's right here. It's right here. It's me. Which, I mean, right. I, I kind of always like picking at the end of uh, fantasy football leagues because uh, you can get the number 10 and number 11 player on the board rather than getting the number one and the number 20 if you're picking at number one. So there's always upsides to that. Exactly. Maybe I go sickle mode and do zero running backs and then maybe go with like a tight end and a wide receiver to start off. But we'll, we'll wait and see. So picking number nine. In the inaugural podcast league, Buffalo Bills notable fan, super fan Joe Miller the third, who will be in the league as well. So he's been on the podcast before. So for anyone saying, "Oh, it's rigged," just remember, I'm picking tenth. <laughs> I like I said, tenth isn't always bad. No, it's not. But just proof that it's not rigged. Picking number eight, Bobby Gross. Bobby Gross will be picking number eight. Now, lucky number seven. That is the lucky number. Is my co-host right now, Matt. Who dat? Matt dat's who? Picking number seven. I'm okay with seventh, but I'd rather be like a little bit higher. I don't want to be first or second, but middle of the pack's about good. But picking number... Okay, now I got number six in my hands, and that would be Alex Lorenzo picking number six overall. Ooh, and let's see, rounding out the top, the rounding out the bottom with the fifth overall pick. None other than Matt Lorenzo. So we've got back-to-back Lorenzo sandwiches there right in the middle. They're going to be fighting over draft picks. Exactly. They're going to be going four or five, and then they're going to be going uh, uh, 14-15. So we'll see how that one turns out. Okay, so picking number four with the fourth overall pick in the inaugural YWC Football Talk Fantasy Football Draft. I'm going to be saying all the last ones like this. (laughs) Danny, 
Dan goes ham. Congrats. You have the number four overall pick in the draft. Is Danny going to take a wide receiver in the first round? We will see. We'll have to wait and see. I'm going to do it again because I did the two paper thing. I don't, I don't, I don't like doing that because then I drop one and I'm playing God. So that's why I do it. But picking third in the 2022 inaugural YWC football talk fantasy fantasy football league, excuse me, is Andy McNamara, Sportsnet fantasy football expert. Andy McNamara picking third overall. So that means that either one of Pat Lane from Pat's pulpit or from this, that rant, Chris Ramey will be picking first overall. And with the first overall pick in the 2022 inaugural YWC Football Talk Fantasy Football League is... Congratulations goes to Chris Ramey. You can't see the piece of paper on YouTube, but I'm holding it in my hands. You will be picking number one overall in the draft on Tuesday, September 6th, a week from tonight. Just a high of notes, folks, on every preview show of the week, whether it be on a Wednesday or a Thursday, I will be announcing who's matching up with who. And as well as the Monday, we'll be going on the recaps and seeing who did what. But with that being said, folks, picking second overall in the inaugural YWC Football Talk Fantasy Football League for 2022, Football Talk Fantasy Football League, that's a mouthful, is Pat Lane of Pat's Pulpit. So congratulations, guys. We'll see you in the draft floor. It's going to be exciting. As for a theme this year, I'm just going to say this. Get creative with your player names. If you want to do something for your team, too, that is completely fine. The draft order is out. Congratulations to those involved. It's going to be a great draft. Mm-hmm. But, folks, Matt, it was a pleasure getting to talk to you once again. Matt's Always. going to be on here all season long. And as, like, the banner on the bottom says all show long, we are now part of the Dean Blundell Network of from YWC Football Talks. So we're associated there. It's a great way to get content out. And as well as I do some writing on there as well, links for everything in my link tree in the bio. But this has been episode number 176. But before we go, Matt, do you have a good title for this podcast? Guys, don't, I just don't want to do NFC preview. Uh, I wish Russell Wilson was still in the NFC somehow. I'd say let's ride or something. Just go with the, <laughs> the memes of it. Um, popping a perk, the NFC preview. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, you gave us all the creative juices for a theme. So thank you, Aaron, for that. But anyway, folks, I'll see you next time when Eagles fan and reporter El Pasero Philly is on here with me to discuss some Eagles football. Have a good one, everybody. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from Jeff Woods Radio. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. 
Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, SayTheDamnScore.com.